On today's episode, Chad and I sit down with PK Kriya to discuss collaboration in the workplace, including effective strategies or tools for collaboration, differences in how men and women approach collaboration, and how technology has been instrumental in this area during the pandemic. PK is a Senior Vice President of Employee Health and Benefits with Marsha McLennan Agency, or MMA. She provides advice on health and welfare plans and well-being or wellness programs to a diverse base of corporate clients. Along with her team, she also helps solve business challenges by deploying strategies that create better healthcare consumers and keep employers current on regulatory issues, including those related to healthcare reform legislation. PK has a natural ability to make strong business connections, network with talented individuals, and match people to cultures. These talents and more have earned her a reputation of integrity and as a professional resource extending beyond employee benefits. PK was honored with the Minneapolis St. Paul Business Journal's 2020 Women in Business Award and also Employee Benefit Advisors Most Influential Women in Benefit Advising for 2017. She has also been recognized for her extensive knowledge, customer service philosophy, and her involvement in leadership development and diversity inclusion initiatives at MMA. It is with great pleasure that we welcome PK to the Beyond Small Talk podcast today. All right. Well, today we are excited to be joined by PK Kriha. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about collaboration. Um, and so today I'd like to kick us off with just PK, what, how do you define collaboration? What does that word mean to you? Uh, first of all, I love the word. And second, I would say, you know, it's really about bringing people together to work to solve problems. Um, and I, I look at it almost as like conducting an orchestra. Um, and when we collaborate, you're, I think of my role often as being, okay, I'm the conductor and then I wanna make sure everybody's getting their instruments to play at the appropriate time. So that's when I think about collaboration. Want, you know, one instrument's not enough. We gotta bring many into the um, equation to make really good music. So that's what I think about with that word. Oh, I think that's a wonderful graphic, a good, you know, way for people to really understand, you know, that it requires multiple people um, and a little bit of leadership along the way, too. Um, so what sort of tools do you think are essential in maximizing that those collaborative efforts? Well, the pandemic has really helped with that because, you know, you have to think about like logistics. Logistics, in my mind, are the biggest challenge with collaborating. If we are trying to get everyone into a room, that historically has been a challenge, I think, especially um, given everyone's very busy schedules. And in this situation with the pandemic, we can use the Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever technology to get people to come together in a very efficient manner. And then you can use those, you know, you know, unique features like the breakout features if you want to break people up into teams. Uh, and so I personally think that roadblock has been removed. Mm. And I use a lot of examples of, you know, bring my clients together, for example, which it would be very challenging to pull 10 CFOs into a room at the same time. And in this environment, it can easily be done. That is definitely one 
unique benefit of COVID. I think sometimes we like to focus on how it has impacted and oftentimes negatively impacted our current situation. But that is one of the, the silver linings is that you're right. It was always hard to coordinate people's schedules. And now you can get everybody um, to be able to, you know, quote unquote, be in a room at one time a little bit more easily. Mm-hmm. Do you have like any good examples of a group that collaborates well? And the one that, that I have, and that I think of, cause I'm, I work at the hospital. And so we do a lot of interprofessional collaboration and education. And in that setting, we have students or, or young, younger people that one might say are a little bit more, you know, open-minded. We've got, um, medical doctors, nurses, pharmacists, physical therapists, occupational therapists, social workers, a whole lot of people that come together early in their education. And what I think is neat about it is one, it normalizes working together. It's actually a requirement of their education now to work together. And two, it helps them have a better understanding of what each other's role is. So what exactly it is that you bring to the table. And then it helps them with their communication skills, which I always think is something that you learn um, versus, you know, something that you can, or something that you practice versus something you can learn in a classroom. So it helps develop some of those soft skills. And so I just think of the really neat um, things that can come with the interprofessional collaboration. What's something that, you know, where you've seen good collaboration in your past? Well, I think that what I love too about this environment is the ability for young, the younger generation to shadow and Mm -hmm. that this makes that so much easier to do. So to have the, whether it's our mentees uh, and the mentor mentor relationship, or um, it's any of your new employees that you're wanting to teach the business or teach your industry, they can shadow, watch and learn and um, learn from the best if you're putting the right group together. And there's a a lot of opportunity there, which is easier to do again in this environment. I've had a lot of experiences where I bring in the the new employee and they are sitting and listening in, even to an opportunity like this on a podcast to see, oh, this is how a podcast is recorded. This is what it sounds like. This is um, how I can learn and approach it. And so I really, think this environment, again, makes it easy to mentor and develop people. And um, I would say that's probably one of my favorite things about this environment. Do you have any tips for keeping people engaged in the the virtual shadowing, the virtual precepting? Sometimes I wonder if it's more on the the learner, you know, are they intrinsically motivated? Um, But have you noticed any techniques that keep them a little bit more engaged in the virtual platform. Mm-hmm. I liked, I'm, I'm good at uh, giving assignments. And so I like to help, uh, I like to assign research in advance of the meeting. And because my industry is all about people, I had a, a meeting yesterday at, with a new employee and I gave her two assignments. One was to research every person that was going to be on this call. And you can do that. You can do that on the internet. You can go on LinkedIn. You can check out their profiles. And again, understanding your industry is a bit different than mine. Um, that that's something that's really helpful because I'm trying to teach people how to style shift, how to develop and establish relationships and trust. 
And here we're trying to establish trust through a computer screen. And um, the more you know about the person, you need to understand their roles, roles in the company, and what role they might play in that meeting. So step one was to understand each of the people. Step two was to understand the actual company that we had or were conducting a meeting with and understand their business. And those are assignments. And then I asked them to take notes and I asked them to watch body language. And, and then I follow up with them after and say, what did you see? What did you learn? And, you know, being very honest, I was chatting with, with the colleague yesterday as my team was working a part of the meeting and asking her some of those questions in the chat feature of Zoom and helping her kind of um, connect the dots about what was going on in this conversation and about the role I was playing. So I was mentoring her in real time, which is very different than again, pre-COVID because I would have to have the time, first of all, to leave that meeting, to follow up with the person, to make sure I call them or talk to them and regroup. Whereas in this environment, you can almost do it in real time, de depending on the situation. Wow, that, that's really neat. I hadn't, I had never considered that before. I have a fair amount of learners that come through and I've never once asked somebody to look into the people that are gonna be there at the table. But really, you know, what Chad and I talk about a lot is building those relationships and having meaningful relationships. And that is a great way to initiate a meaningful relationship is do some background research. You would do mm -hmm. it on any topic that you were coming to discuss. Why not do it on the people? That That's neat. I like that. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, personally, again, you can read body language on Zoom. And I have a lot of fun doing that. Um, whether it's someone eyes that light up or that someone, you know, a conversation that we're having, it's perplexing them and you can almost see it in their eyes. And so I think, you know, there's tips that we can give our colleagues and like from a career development perspective, we'll do an education session on body language and um, tips on Zoom or, you know, vi uh, on video. So those are the types of things you want people to be watching for because, there might be something they're going to learn along the way. Who maybe is struggling in that conversation? Who had more to say? Who was trying to say something and didn't get a chance to because someone else was talking over them? And so as the conductor, I think it's important like for me to be fanatically focused on that body language so that I can pull people into the conversation and collaborate. So this is interesting because this... Um... I've heard the opposite take from just about anybody I've talked to. And I, I really like what you're saying here, um, particularly when you have a large group, you, you can really focus in on so many different faces and different body language. Um, and, and often I hear people say, oh, I need to be there in person so I can see the body language. But I'm hearing what you're saying. I think if you really pay attention, this is an opportunity to, to gather even more information about the body language. Um, I also like, you had mentioned in your last podcast, um, you know, you, you get a view into people's world in places where you otherwise might not. You know, a lot of us are doing Zoom in our home office. And, and so you talk about, you can look around and see, ooh, what's that picture on the wall? 
so-and-so likes, you know, to go fish or so-and-so they must like to run. And you, you begin to ask these questions, right? And this kind of goes into the Brene Brown vulnerability thing. They get people a little vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. you, you can ask them about some of their, their personal interests. And I think that is that connection piece and that we can get through Zoom that maybe otherwise we couldn't. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I get a lot of energy from that, Chad, because um, I really enjoy seeing the whole person. You know, like we will say at MMA, we bring the whole self to work and we do. And that means we have things at home that sometimes are distracting us or causing us concern or and vice versa. And and it all blends together. And so even just seeing someone's um, decorating style, or you can tell from how they set up their office, what is that picture behind them? Is it words of wisdom? Or are they a spiritual person because they have a Bible verse? Or And I just love starting conversations with what I see, and then see them talk about it and see kind of their, their why. And there's typically a reason they have that photograph there. Um, you know, I, I, I just really find it fascinating to learn about the person. And it's a way, again, to break down some of those walls, warm up the conversation, establish trust and credibility. And, um, and, and the vulnerable part of that is great because it, it ends up being in the storytelling. And then like, for me, I will, I'll make a joke because someone just yesterday asked me, you know, how are you, how are you navigating your self-care? And I'll say humor is <laughs> a very good one, one piece to this equation. And I will, you know, if we get off on a tangent because of their mountain photograph and where they like to hike, I will joke that I'd much prefer to talk about that than insurance, you know, like, <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think it really, you just try to make it real. And I think that comes maybe more natural for some than others. I like to really encourage people to open up their eyes to what they're seeing. Yeah. That, uh, gosh, you're speaking my language there. Um, I started a CFO Zoom roundtable back in April of last year. And, and quite frankly, I was scrambling to figure out, okay, how am I going to continue to, to network when, when, when there's so much we don't know about the pandemic? And so I, I borrowed that idea from somebody else in the company. And, um, and so I, I made a list and I, I only knew 10 CFOs. And I thought, if I can get two of them to commit, this will be great. And so we got three. And, um, and to this day, we have a monthly CFO roundtable. And it's just like you say, half the time they're in different spaces and we get to see different environments. Our, our meetings typically kick off with a, with a question that's initiated by what we're seeing visually. It has nothing to do with insurance but it, it gets people comfortable and gets them excited about talking about the things they're interested in. And as a result, we've built such strong relationships with these, these CFOs um, and, and I think some businesses to follow, but, but it was really on the strength of being able to see them in a different light and, and pull from, from their interests. Agreed. And that it also goes back to, I did mention this on another podcast as well, that you can see everyone. So if you, if I'm in a, if I'm in a boardroom or a conference room, which was more typical previously, I could only see two or three people that sat across from me. I could not see the people on my sides or at the ends. And I would count on my team 
to fill me in on what they saw. And I would also strategically place people in a presentation, for example, like if I want um, different people to be watching or I want to be across from the CFO, I don't want to be next to the CFO, for example. Well, on Zoom or whatever technology platform you use, I can see everyone. And that that's very different. And I love that part too. So I, you know, I'm a glass half full person. I just think that the, that there are a lot of positives here. And to your point about CFO roundtables, I now um, I'm going on my fourth roundtable. I have one CFO roundtable and three HR roundtables. Wow. And, and, you know, talk about collaboration. They just want support. They're all in a sea of the unknown. They have not dealt with this stuff before. They're all learning together. And why reinvent the wheel if you already created a document that I could use for my PTO policy or um, if you've got a solution with how you've used the PPP loans? Like those are the things that they're all just craving. And that's what these platforms and collaborative environments can support our clients with and our colleagues with, which is awesome. Do you find that you call on people by name as you're reading screens, reading body language? If you notice something, if a flag goes up, do you find that it's almost become more personalized? And I guess that, that depends on the size of the group. Um, but have you noticed that you're checking in with people more frequently? Yeah, absolutely. So if I see something, Lauren, and I see um, that you're nodding or you try, you're trying to get something out that someone else just spoke, I'll, I might even private, I might chat you saying, I see you, you want to add something and I'll, just give me a minute. I'll make sure you get a voice here. And so um, then I'll say, you know, Lauren, it seemed like you wanted to add something. And so I really do like to watch, you know, the interest level or the engagement level and, and then call that person out. If it's a bigger group, you know, I, I think depending on your computer screen, like nine's an ideal number if you're looking at tiles. I personally hide my self view because I do not want to look at myself anymore. And so I hide my self view and then I will, you know, watch everyone and just make sure everyone's having an opportunity to step in. Um, but you, you really do need to navigate that because if there's too many faces, it's too difficult. So in the spirit of collaboration, it's, we're not collaborating with 30 people. We're collaborating. The ideal number in my mind is 10 eight to 10. All right. Good to know. Well, I'd like to pivot for a moment and talk about some of the differences in collaboration amongst women and men. And I had come across this article and we will link it um, in the information below the podcast, um, an article from the Harvard Business Review that looked about or looked at collaborative work and something that struck me as interesting is it was talking about the difference between men and women. And um, they have this quote here. It says, uh, this researcher found that women are more likely to agree with the statement, being a good team player means helping all of my colleagues with what they need to get done. In contrast, men are more likely to agree with the statement, being a good team player is knowing your position and playing it well. Um, so two very different perspectives on an issue. What are your thoughts when it comes to maybe gender discrepancies with collaboration? 
That's a great question. I do like that article too. And thank you for sharing that with me. I, um, I just feel, and I've read articles too, that women prefer to collaborate to get things done. And so focusing on the positive piece of that, that is our preferred state. So if we think about who we're with or who we're selling to or who we're trying to influence or teach, we have to consider that women just naturally feel that way. And I've, I've literally watched situations where women have almost shut down because a collaborative uh, environment was not being created. Mm. They maybe were being told what to do or told to play their position if we cite the article statement you just made, for example, when they wanted to learn everyone else's position on the court and how the positions interact with one another and what pivot looks like. So that to me is when I, I have seen women kind of shut down when that isn't happening. I have a client that that's, that's happening right now. And it, it is disheartening. And as I paused and thought about it after this meeting and watching it, I thought they, they're not collaborating in, in being solution oriented. And, and I hadn't seen this person not voice their position or their um, thoughts and views as I did in this meeting. And it seems to me that their approach was so different than hers that it just caused her to shut down. Now, not everyone's gonna shut down, but I think that can happen if, if you're not feeling good about the manner in which the problem solving is happening. Interesting. So I guess what I'm hearing is in your experience, if women like to work collaboratively, they're, they, they're looking, they're seeking for opportunity to work together, then maybe it's more just a, a boundary conversation around, okay, let's, let's make sure that you, you get that collaborative environment, but let's not take it too far to where you feel like you've got to meet everyone's need and, and that inhibits your ability to, to take care of your tasks. I guess that's, that was my thought. I don't know. I think a little bit more about communication style. And okay. it may have been that in that example, that woman was being told what to do, like almost task-wise versus no one paused to, to check in or ask, you know, this is what we're trying to accomplish. This is the end game. You know, what are your thoughts on the way that we go about this? Or mm -hmm. even, you know, really for me personally, I like having that direct eye contact with somebody. I like having or knowing that someone's attention is focused on me or really the issue at hand. So having those open lines of communication, both like with visual cues and then the way that we go about our communication style and making sure that it's open-minded and, and checking in with one another is what I think of. Yeah. And I, I would totally agree with that. And from a task oriented perspective, I think it's really, I, I like to, when I think about mentoring my team, I think about the types of questions that you're asking and how they're being asked and the what, how, as opposed to do. So what, what, any question that starts with what or how is an open-ended question. 
if you ask a question that is a yes, no question, it just shuts down communication. And so there is the art of asking questions and you just ask them really well with the, you know, what are you thinking about this? How does this impact the current work that you have? Um, what else would you do differently? One of my, uh, one of my mentors years ago, always said, use the word, what else? Instead of, do you have anything you want to add? Say, what else would you like to add to this conversation? Yeah, it's more active. Yeah. And so it's just those two words, what else? As opposed and you know, to, yeah. And I was thinking, I think, I know Chad and I like Brene Brown. I have a, a, inkling that that you like her as well to me it reminds me of the paint it done situation where mm -hmm. this is the task that needs to be completed go ahead and paint that done for me so I can see what route that you're going to take to accomplish that and our paths might be different but as long as we get to that same goal then you know what we've set out to accomplish has been accomplished exactly exactly well stated yep um, I'm learning, so I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this back and forth. Um, again, PK, thank you for, for joining us today and lending some perspective. Um, I'm, I'm a story, you know, nerd. Um, I love storytelling. So, you know, PK, can you tell us, I don't know, maybe give us an example of when collaboration has just really gone right? Like, can you think of a time where you were collaborating with a group, whether it's, you know, you're a mentor and you have mentees or it's a group of your peers, you collaborated on something and it, it just, it really, you guys hit it out of the park. I've got a couple I can share. Um, Perfect. One is I'm going to go back to the CFO roundtable because that, that's been effective. And one of the things I've done with mine and hopefully you have done Chad or you will do that is bring in other lines of business to those meetings and bring in guests to those meetings. The next thing you know, there's a conversation occurring from a cross-sell perspective. I'm on the employee benefits team. I bring in a 401k consultant or a business insurance consultant. The next thing you know, I've got five CFOs who are suddenly scratching their head about their 401k plan and their fiduciary requirements. And if they've really tested the market recently. And the next thing you know, I have three meetings scheduled to talk to these CFOs about their 401k plan. And I do have a couple success stories of closing those. So I would say from a business development perspective, that's been great. The other thing that I um, talk a lot about in my personal brand, which is anytime a client asks me for a resource that goes outside of the scope of insurance, that tells me I'm a true business partner. And so in bringing together, um, I have an advisory board They've been meeting for almost five years now. And in this virtual environment, it's, you know, in person was the connections were made. And so now it's just very, very strong. Well, we have a whole email trail of collaboration that occurs weekly. They're supporting each other. I'm just getting out of the way. All I've done is create the environment for them. And I've created an email um, chain and they just reply all. And they are sharing. And that is occurring weekly with this group. Those are two just top of mind stories that, um, and then I've got my career development work that I do. I, I am a coach for our Inspire, our Grow Inspire program. And we're 
we're collaborating just last week. We met and we created vision boards together and we took our cameras off and we uh, had nine of us creating vision boards. And then I played some really good country music to get everyone's creative juices flowing. <laughs> and, good. and so I don't know, I, did that answer your question? Yeah, no, that, that's wonderful. Like the, the storytelling so good because I can, even though I can't see you right now, I can feel you lean forward and, and just tell that with excitement. So that's, yeah. I like drawing that stuff out. And I did lead forward. So Chad, you are reading body <laughs> language without seeing me. That's incredible. Yeah, that no, is well, thank awesome. you. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I, you know, we've really enjoyed the, the conversation that we've had here today. And, and, you know, I like that we ended with some stories of success when it came to collaboration. And if I'm... And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that you have a special African proverb that you like to say when it comes to collaboration. Go ahead and, and close us out with that, if you don't mind, PK. I sure will. If you want to <laughs> go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. It is one of my favorite uh, proverbs. I actually have been on a couple different podcasts and interviews, and I've said it every time. So I'll say it again, but thank you, because I do really believe in the power of working together to accomplish goals and um, to build your network and to develop your self-confidence and your skills. And it's a whole lot of fun too. You know, I think Chad and I are still trying to figure out what our sign out or sign off is. That's a good one, PK. You should hold on to that one. I like it. <laughs> All right. Will do. Well, we, we can't so thank you enough for, for, for joining us. Um, this was awesome. We really appreciate your perspective and we hope to talk to you again. Thanks so much for having me. We could tell PK gets so excited to talk about collaboration. We could just feel it coming through the headphones. One key takeaway for me was the way that I approach my Zoom calls in regards to there's an opportunity to gather body language that you might otherwise not have when you're meeting physically in the room. So I had never looked at it that way. So um, PK, awesome stuff. Thanks for the tips. Thanks for coming on. And we look forward to having her on the show again. Until the next time.